Hello and welcome to the First Hand Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown, and folks, we are back with another interview, and it's a rare one, but I am joined again by Logan. Logan, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing good. Logan, we've got a special guest with us today, a guy we had on very early on in the podcast, running backs coach for Wheeling University, Hayden Daly. Hayden, how are we doing today, man? Uh, I'm doing good. Glad to be back. Yeah, man, we're stoked to have you back on. We had you on in... I think it was early April, right yeah. around spring ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about how exciting the season was looking for you guys there at Wheeling and just the opportunities you guys had, some of the talent and everything. And I think we might have undersold you guys. You know, we, we talked about how it looked like it could be a fun year, but it wasn't just fun. It was really impressive. You guys went seven and four in a very tough conference, played teams like Notre Dame College, who's, you know, a playoff team. And you played them hard this year, you know, played them it was a two two score game so in your opinion talk about what you felt you know went right this year for you guys not only offensively but just as a team in general uh yeah so we definitely improved this year from the past couple years seven four first uh winning season school history so it was it was fun to be a part of you know we still feel like there was a couple uh we left short you know just as you said Notre Dame we lost by two scores we were actually inside the five twice and uh, came away with no points. So, you know, a couple games like that that you wish you could get back, but that's, you know, not to sell short the season we had because we won a couple of those close games that could have gone the other way. So we're talking about, you know, seven, four could have been nine and two. It also could have been, you know, four and seven. So it, it was fun to be a part of a uh, great group of guys to be a part of as far as the coaching staff and the players. Uh, just in my second year of coaching, I, you know, can't say how thankful I was to start at a place like uh, Wheeling University and be able to see this program start to take off the way it has. You know, and you guys, I mean, your position group specifically, the running back room, can you speak on, you know, I know we had you when we had you on the first time, you, you know, gave us all the names and told us who to watch out for. And boy, did those guys not disappoint this year. Can you speak on what a special group you got to coach this year? Oh, yeah. Uh, just like I said last time, I love, uh, every single guy that was in my room had a couple new guys join the group since we last talked about um, Cy. He was a all conference guy last year. He uh, did not disappoint again this year. First team all conference. Once again, he, uh, he actually had less rushing yards this year. Last year he was a thousand yard rusher. He uh, ended right around nine fifty this year, but Eli really emerged. He was our he was our second guy last year as well, but he earned a lot more playing time this year. And he actually was a, uh, over 800 yards in rushing. So we had a guy in the room with over 900, guy in the room with over 800. Cy uh, got first team all conference. I think he was like the fifth leading rusher in the conference, something like that. And uh, he was like top three in rushing touchdowns. Eli, he uh, just missed out on all conference, which uh, I was disappointed in. I thought he was good enough to make it. He was uh, like ninth in leading rushing, but he was second in yards per carry. So I, I really thought he was a guy who also could have been uh, – all conference unfortunately he wasn't voted to that but those two guys did a tremendous job I mean they just do some things that as a coach you can't you can't teach it they just they just both had the it factor this year and it was a lot fun watching them play yeah and to kind of jump on that you talk about him being second um in yards per carry 
he averaged six and a half yards per carry, which is pretty impressive. I mean, if your guy on average can get you four yards from a first down every time, you know, talk about kind of the mindset as an offense when you have a guy like that, like Elijah Young, who can get six and a half yards of play or size who averaged 4.8 yards per play. Like what's the mindset going into uh game calling when you got, you know you have guys in the backfield who can get you close to first downs almost every time. Yeah. It's uh really funny that you say uh, a guy who on first down could get you four yards every time to start the year. Our goal on first down was to get to four yards, average four yards on first down. Well, we did so good at that, that that ended up getting bumped up to five and even six at times throughout the year because we, we were able to do so well on first down. So whenever you can stay ahead of the sticks, so getting that four or five yards on first down, that helps you out, you know, play calling so much because it makes you less predictable. Most of the time, if it's second and long, you're going to probably see some sort of pass play, whether it's a screen or a, you know, quick game, because you want to try to get half the yards back on second down to make it third and more manageable. But if you could get to second and five, second and six, even you can run the ball, you could throw the ball, and whatever happens, you're still at third and manageable. So if it makes you less predictable when you're calling the plays, it's going to help your offense so much. And that's something, as I said, it was one of our goals to get so many yards on first down. It's something we didn't do as well last year. We were behind the sticks more last year because whether we had a poor play on first down or penalties or something like that, this year we were able to overcome that. And then our offense excelled largely because of that right there. You know, and you guys as an entire team had, in my opinion, just another step towards the culture that you guys with the coaching staff are building down there. Uh, You know, last year you guys had a winning record at home but overall finished, you know, just a couple games short of a winning season total. This year, you guys not only finished seven and four, you have a winning record at home, but you also have a winning conference record. You know, could you talk about just the progression you're seeing there at Wheeling since you guys, you know, added football as a varsity sport and just the culture that you guys are building there at Wheeling? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't realize, you know, when they're sitting on their couch watching TV, how hard it is to win college football games. You know, especially on the road, you talked about how we had a winning record at home last year, but on the road, we had a losing record and we finished five and six, just sort of 500. This year, we were four and two at home, three and two on the road. And as I was talking about earlier, you know, some of those games, they could have gone one way or the other because they were such close games. That's why when you hear people say it's hard to win college football games, it's hard to win college football games because every single one of the players on each team was the best player in their high school. So every it's it's like almost like every college team is made up of uh, high school all star teams because you always watch the all star games at the end end of every summer, you know the team guys are in the right to play in those games. Well, the guys that earn the right to play in college were all playing in those games, so they're all they they were all the best guys on their teams. So there's nowhere you're gonna be where you're gonna be like, well, they, they just don't have talent because it's college football now. So as we talked about, you know, on the road we. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember our record from the year before, but I said we were three and two this year. We lost one of those losses was the Notre Dame loss, a uh, ranked opponent who made the playoffs, uh, 27-14. And then we went down to Concord and they kind of, they whooped our butts. Uh, but they were, uh, they were just outside the top 25 all year and they just missed out on a playoff spot. Personally, I think they got screwed, but they missed out on a playoff spot. So those were our two losses on the road. And then we were able to pick up three big wins on the road. Uh, we went down to West Virginia Wesleyan. We were able to uh, pitch a shutout. I was actually texting Logan that day. We played in, uh, 
I, I forget what hurricane it was at the time, but it was pouring down rain. Uh, their coach's press box is in an actual press box. We were up on the roof of the building right next to the stadium. So we were up there. We were feeling on the wind up there. It was, it was a tough environment to, to play. It was their homecoming. We were able to pick up a big win, pick up a shutout down there. Uh, we went to Alderson Broadus. Uh, that game ended up being a shootout. So even though, you know, looking looking at it on paper, we were the better team, we had to go to Alderson Broadus in a, in a day trip and go uh, try to beat them. And we ended up coming out on top in a high-scoring game. And the third one at, on the road. Uh, I would have to look at the schedule again. I, I don't know why I can't remember. But those are three big road wins. It helped us take the next step as a program because last year we only had the one loss at home. We were able to play well at home, but we didn't travel as well. Now with an older team, we uh, had more maturity going on the road. We were able to pick up three big wins on the road, and that helped us get to our 7-4 record. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why I can't think of what that third uh, road win was, but yeah. Um, some let me, big let wins me uh, help you out here. Is it West Lib on the road? Oh, yeah. West nice, Lib. 42 how, how, to 21 win. The team up the hill. Don't say that name again. Team up the hill. <laughs> it was the, actually their homecoming game. That's not reason I can't think of it. It's not much of a road game. It was 20 minutes up the road for us. So that's our, our cross town rivals. Uh, it was their homecoming, huge crowd. It was an awesome environment to be a part of, you know, even better when you're a road team winning a game like that, got uh, the fans chirping a little bit at not only the players and the coaches, uh, but that was, that was an awesome day for sure. Picked, yeah. Like you said, 42 to 21, it was 21, 21 and halftime. Again, again, we ended up winning by thir- three scores, but it wasn't easy. It was, it was tough to get there. And uh, we got the second half shutout to come away with a 42, 21 win. You know, and I have to ask because, you know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, there's some really good D2 conferences throughout the country, and your guys' conference is no exception. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, you guys are a relatively new program, but you got thrown right in the fire as far as the conference you're in. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the challenge it is to come play big-time Division II football right away there at Wheeling? Yeah, Um like I said, this is my second year there, but I was able to follow the program closely in 19 because uh, my dad's on staff. My dad's been on staff. 19 was their first year of varsity football. And I mean, Coach Bruni and uh, Coach Gaiman, the head coach and defense coordinator, they were you know still there. They're the ones who started this program. So they, they could uh, attest to this. They, uh, they had a lot growing up to do real fast after playing one season of a JV schedule. They got thrown right into conference play with a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds playing against full grown men. So they got, they got uh, a lot of learning experiences, some games that they, you know, felt just short of could have won, but they got their butt kicked a lot too. I mean, and that's going to happen. As you just said, getting get thrown into the fire in a good conference like the mountain East, you know, they're always, you know, there's always going to be one for sure playoff team out of this conference and always a second team that's right there on the door. I just said, I think Concord should have got in this year. So there's always one or two really, really good teams. But the whole conference as a whole, there's a lot of, especially this year, there was a lot of parity. Every every week we were up for a big test because this team might have been better on the defensive line. This team had great DBs. Um, a team in our conference this year who did not end up with a great uh, record, I think they finished 3-8, and eight. Fairmont State. It was our last game of the season. I'm telling you, that's the best 3-8 and eight team I've ever seen play football. They had a great defense. 
their DBs were very good. They had a really good linebacker. He wore number one, and he had uh, Brockton Blair. He had over 100 tackles back-to-back years. I mean, they, they were just a really good team who came up just short in so many games. That's why their record was what it was. But, I mean, as you look at our schedule, that game went to overtime. And uh, we were losing the game at a bunch of different points, especially in the fourth quarter. We had to go get a big score late to tie it up to put it into overtime. And we had to rely on a blocked field goal and a missed field goal to put it in overtime. So, you know, getting thrown in uh, college football, it's not not easy. As we've been saying throughout the episode, it's just very hard to win. And we're fortunate that uh, we were able to get seven this year. You know, and your running backs really were a big part of those wins this year. So I want to, you know, shift a little bit to them and talk about where you feel that they improved the most throughout this year. You know, we've talked about their yards per Gary and the impressive stats they put up. You know, the last time we talked, we talked a lot about the unsung things that running backs have to do, whether it's pass blocking, you know, coming out of the backfield and catching a pass, you know, where do you feel your guys improved, you know, the most throughout this season? Uh, Something, because we, we played two running backs a lot. We played uh 20 personnel, so two running backs, three receivers. So something that they had to do if they were going to play that much is to become better blockers. And uh, Eli is one who really improved his blocking. He was someone who always, I always felt he could do it, but sometimes he might've been, you know, saving himself a little bit, making those, uh, business decisions he might be mad if he hears me say it but then there's times this year we saw him do it uh I'll go back to the Frostburg State game uh we just came off a one point loss against UNC Pembroke the week before Frostburg State was coming off a huge win against Notre Dame so they had to come to us and it was a back and forth game high scoring in the first half second half low scoring uh but we had the ball uh end the game we're trying to milk out the clock and back-to-back plays Eli made two huge blocks, and I would say those blocks were the reason why we got the first down uh, to win the game. So he improved a ton as a blocker, and he improved – I would say he was a guy who improved his practice habits too. So we uh, we told him in the offseason, okay, we think you're good enough to get the reps that, you know, you're saying you want to get. If you show us that you can improve your practice habits, you earned them. He did that. He was able to get uh, – we were lucky enough to not only play two running backs at times, but rotate those guys every series to keep them both fresh each game. So being able to improve as a blocker and then improve your everyday habits as a practice practice guy, you know, that's that's where we saw a lot of improvement. So how does the chemistry go in your running back room? I mean, you got two guys who had pretty awesome stats this year, you know, got a lot of carries, a lot of playing time. How does the chemistry go when you got two guys who are probably going to get about the same amount of reps, even though one might have a little bit more experience or is the starter. And then you have Elijah coming in this year, you know, stepping up to the plate. Um, I I think we had great chemistry in our room, Uh, not just those two guys, but uh, the other guys, some guys got to play. uh, We had uh, Jeremiah Malachi. They got to play some. Then we have uh, Alex Sobgo, Ahmad and uh, Trey Fullerton. We had a couple young guys join us, Marcel, and then we had the tight ends, Steve, Zoe, Justin, and uh, Jeremiah Drummond. All those guys, I think they get along well. And they all, the, the best thing about them is they all, no matter what, are cheering each other on. One guy makes the play, and I, I mean, I was always up in the box, but I could see all those guys just being so happy for him. As soon as they come off the sideline, you know, giving them a hug, whatever it is. So when you can have a group like that, they don't care who's having the success. 
And when that happens, that's uh, the type of culture we want to build because sometimes, you know, we might've seen it here or there where guys were upset, even though we were winning as a team. And if you want to play more than you want to win, that's not going to be long-term success. But when you can have guys who are cheering each other on, just happy to be winning, you know, you're going to, you're, you're building the right culture. You want to take the next step as a program. You want to have guys that care about winning more than the personal uh, individual stats. And, you know, Cy and Eli were the ones that, you know, were able to have the most stats because they, they, they got in the most, they got in the game the most. So seeing the rest of the group support them the way they did, it was awesome. You know, when you talked about, you know, taking the next step as a program and the culture you guys are building season's over, but the season is in no way over for you guys as coaches. It's heating up now with the recruiting and, you know, laying the foundation for the culture and the success you guys are hoping to have next season. So what, what's the off season look like you for you right now? And what are some of the goals you guys have heading, you know, as you guys get ready for spring ball and building a roster for next year? Mm-hmm. So, you know, this past week, uh, recruiting started up. So, you know, we got guys hitting the road already. Uh, I'll be on the road here uh, next week. Uh, whether it's, you know, going to schools, going in uh, to, they're called recruit nights, wherever you go and you talk to the high school coaches and see what they have. But, you know, luckily in the spring, we kind of started for this uh, 2023 class already. So we know the guys we're looking for and then uh, trying to pick up a few more guys to recruit here and there. And uh, also we uh, are looking to bring in a couple older guys through the uh, transfer portal, which uh, everyone knows what the transfer portal is now. It's a huge deal. Uh, I, I, I get a little, you know, scared talking about the transfer portal because uh, honestly, I'm not, it's, it's nice to, you know, get, get a couple guys that you need here or there, but so many, so many kids want to go into the transfer portal and they just bury themselves. So you know, sometimes, you know, it's not grass isn't always greener on the other side. I know I got off on a little tangent there, but anyways, you know, we're getting into recruiting now. Uh, after we come back from Christmas, we'll be getting into off season lifting, lifting four days a week. And then uh, as we get into February, we'll add in a couple of days of running. And then as we get into March, we're in the spring ball. So, you know, off season really is never an off season as a coach, because you're always, you're always doing something, but, uh, that's what that's what we signed up for. So it's pretty fun. As a coach, you know, a lot of you know, a lot of people don't understand how vital recruiting is, but this is almost like season number two for you guys as coaches, where this is a huge part of the success you guys end up having. How much do you know do you relish the opportunity to get to go to these high schools and recruit these guys and just, you know, have have an opportunity to hopefully change a young kid's life and you know give them that opportunity we all dreamed of, which is playing football on a Saturday for a college. Right. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, different starting out as a new coach, getting into recruiting, still figuring out, you know, the best way to do things. Um, but something I could say is when, uh, when you, when you're talking to a kid and you're able to give them a scholarship offer and you tell them, Hey, you know, you have an offer where division two program, we're able to offer you scholarship money. You have an offer, to come play for us and seeing their face light up. It's actually, it's a pretty cool experience. You know, the first, uh, the first time I got to do it in the spring and actually see, see the reaction. It was, it was pretty cool. It was, it was pretty cool to see, uh, you know, it's like you made that kid's day and it's, 
you know, might seem like, you know, me saying it doesn't seem that much, but to that kid, it means so much, you know, getting the opportunity to go play college football at the next level, earning scholarship. They did that. They earned that scholarship, you know, them with their, uh, with not only their play, but their uh, off the field character, you know, we look for, you know, the best kid, kids with good grades. They earned it with everything they did and, you know, making their day like that whenever you talk to them, it's, it's pretty cool. Right. And I know you, you said you're scared to talk about the transfer portal, but I'm going to throw one question at you. You know, it's such a wide, it's across the whole country. You got so many guys who jump into it, you know, and where do you even begin as a program to even dissect of who you might want out of there, or who you might attempt to try to grab out of the transfer portal? What's kind of like some standards that you guys might have already set of what you expect to get out of the transfer portal? Yes. A, a lot of people don't really understand what it looks like whenever you're looking in the transfer portal, you can sort it by conference. You can sort it by school, but you don't know what position these guys are unless you have to look them up. And yeah, so all you're really getting is their name and uh, what year they are eligibility wise. So they, like it tells you if they're a grad transfer, if they're an undergrad. So that's, that's all it really tells you. So then you have to do your own research as a coach. Okay. What position does this guy play? If I don't, if I don't recognize the name, I got to look that up, whether it's finding his Twitter, finding his huddle, whatever it may be. So it's, it's actually very, very difficult when you're looking at the portal right off the bat. You have, to, you have to do some more digging. So really what we do is we look at it. Um, we look at their highlights and then, okay, if this is a kid we want to bring in, we're going to actually do, you know, we're going we're gonna to background check you. So where were you at before? Okay, I wonder why he's leaving here. And if you know someone from that school, the coach is going to call your old coach. So, you know, you don't want to leave on bad terms because you want your old coach to give you, you know, a good word. Like, Hey, yeah. Like he, he was a great kid. Things just didn't work out here. Or he, he was a troublemaker here. He actually had to get removed from the team. That's why he's in the portal. So you actually, you know, you want to leave your old school in good standing if you are going to enter the portal and you no, know, it's very, very difficult to be noticed in the portal. You know, if you don't have a, so, and a lot of guys tweet out that they entered the portal once they actually do it. That's actually how we see a lot of guys enter the portal. But, you know, if you're a guy that just entered the portal and you're not, you're not putting yourself out there at all, you're going to get, you're going to be what we call you. You're getting buried in the portal because, you know, as I, as I was saying, so many guys enter it, that happens to so many people. I was just saw a tweet today, actually. It said the uh, top five populations in the U S and it was all the major cities. And then number four was the transfer portal. Like that's crazy to say, but it's actually true. That's how many people are in the transfer portal. So it's a uh, very, you know, I feel like some people listen to the wrong people and that's how they end up there. And it sometimes can end up being the worst thing for you. Some guys, some guys have a lot of success out of the portal. So, you know, I'm not saying it's not always the best option to check the portal, but you know, as I said earlier, grass isn't always greener on the other side. So you, you don't realize how well you have it sometimes before you get into the portal. You know, and I think I saw a statistic earlier today that said there's over 3,000 guys all total from all, you know, the levels D1, D2, and D3 in the portal right now. But you brought something up about Twitter, and that's something that's really changed the game of recruiting is social media. Can you touch on as a coach, you know, I, I see a lot of guys, you know, and we see it some with the show too where guys will like, you know, they'll send you their film or they'll, you know, message you or whatever. How, A, how important and how much has social media changed the recruiting game? And as a coach, what, 
when you're looking at a kid's, you know, you know, maybe their bio on their Twitter page, what are some red flags that you're like, yeah, my guy, if you've got that in your Twitter, we're probably probably not going to take a look at you. Right. So Twitter's uh, plays a huge role in recruiting now. You know, there's there's guys that you might uh, get in contact with that you might not have ever gotten contact with before, whether it's uh, location. So, you know, we're in Wheeling, West Virginia, the top of West Virginia, right between Ohio and Pennsylvania. We're getting, you know, we have a guy that's recruiting in Michigan now because he's from Michigan, Coach Kaiser. He's our defensive line coach. But a lot of those guys, you know, reaching out to us. We, I, I, I don't know Michigan football. Luckily, he does. If, you know, a guy reaches out to you, you could ask him, like, hey, was it what's this area like? So-and-so, do you know anyone from there? But, you know, I, I, I don't know anything about Michigan football. And uh, actually, a place I'm going next week, I'm going to New Jersey next week because uh, Kyle, he's a – another graduate assistant on offense. He catches receivers. He's from New Jersey. So we're going to actually go into some schools there. But again, I would have never heard of some of these kids that we're going to see if it weren't for Twitter. Um, we have some guys on the team from Georgia. So like location wise, you're getting guys from all over the country, even though you can't always get there or it's very hard for them to get to you, but some way, somehow it, it worked out and they ended up coming. to you. So, you know, that's a big thing. You see more, you can see that at the D3 level a lot too, you know, more uh, national recruiting than ever, than that's ever been done. Uh, when me and Logan played at Marietta, we had guys from Arizona, we had guys from Florida, we had guys from Texas. I mean, that, that never would have happened if it weren't for social media. You know, and following up on that, you know, huddle is a huge deal. That's where everybody puts their mm -hmm. film. That's where you guys are able to see, you know, obviously Twitter's where it starts, but huddles where you really find out, is this guy worth it? You know, talk about, you know, A, how much huddle film have you watched this year? Because I can only, I'm guessing you know the ads better than I do at this point. And I feel like I know them pretty good. And then, you know, B, what, what are you looking for when you're recruiting a running back and you're watching his huddle tape? What are you looking for from that, you know, running back? So uh, luckily when I'm actually signed into my huddle account, there's no ads. Sometimes I'll get them pulling up whenever I like, click on a link and I'm not signed in. But so I don't, I probably don't know him that well, but uh, I could always, we could check because uh, our team, we're, we're a huddle team too. All our films on huddle. We can uh, monitor how much, not only all our guys on our team are watching, but we could also see how much we're watching and it's always per week. And I was always right around, you know, in, in the high teens into the low twenties on, on film uh, hours of film watch per week throughout the season. Uh, it's probably not as much in the off season, even though, you know, I'm watching a lot of guys. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know what the number is now, but we still watch a ton of film because we're, we're looking at these guys that we want to bring in. So, uh, for running back film, uh, the first thing, you know, you always want to see, uh, their big play play capability, uh, the kind of speed they have, whether, you know, break away long runs, then you want to see, you know, their, their physicality as a run, not only a runner, but also a blocker guys that have, you know, blocking highlights in there as well. It's always great. Uh, their ability to catch out of the backfield. So there's there's so many different things that you look into it that uh, you're asking a kid to put in a five five to ten minute you know clip. So it's a very hard thing to do to make a highlight tape. Uh, I remember when I was coming out of high school, I had no idea how to make a highlight tape. I was just kind of like, oh, that play looked cool. I'm going to put it in there. But you know, th those are the kind of things you look for. Uh, kind of speed they have. Do, do they have the speed to play at this level? And uh, are they physical enough to play at this level? 
And then, you know, after you like them as a player, that's when you go into do a, as I was talking about, like background check, uh, going into school to meet them, whatever it may be. So. Yeah. And to kind of jump back to Wheeling a little bit and with recruiting, you know, you guys kind of just give listeners a little aspect of what Wheeling's done. I mean, in 2020, your first year, they went one in 10. 2021 went five and six and you guys went seven four this year what's kind of the next like uh what's the next step you guys are looking to take um for the 2023 season you know you guys have had great success each year you've gotten better and better so what are you guys looking as a program to do for that 2023 season uh we we feel we're in the spot to compete for a conference championship uh make it uh past week 11 into the playoffs that that's where we feel like we are as a program and uh i think it's definitely an attainable goal for us as you know we talked about throughout the season we had this this close losses that could have you know ended up a one-point loss at home and a three-point loss at home let me talk about the Charleston loss a little bit we're winning 19 to 7 with uh five and a half minutes left in the game and then you know we just have a collapse towards the end of the game end up losing 22 19 uh we're right there against the top dogs in our conference we could uh we feel like we're in a spot where we could beat Charleston you know, where we can compete and beat uh, Notre Dame. You know, it's just where we feel we are, and we feel like we could have done it this year. Obviously, we fell short in a, a couple instances, so that's what, how we end up with that 7-4 record. But we just we're – ready, we're ready to take that next step, you know, win a conference championship, play in uh, the playoffs. It's uh, definitely something we feel like we can do and what we're working to do. You know, we got to we got the chance to go on campus in the springtime. Logan and I did. You know, when we mm-hmm. interviewed you the first time, and it's a it's a truly gorgeous campus. I mean, I for one would have died there. Uh, the hills, I no way I would have been pushing three bills on those hills. But it, just an absolute gorgeous campus and a really cool environment. You know, can you talk about what Wheeling has to offer? Obviously, you're the you know you're a football coach. You're gonna push the football side, but college is a lot more than just the sport you play. You got to spend four years there. You got to live there. You got to be able to do the academics there. Can you talk about what Wheeling offers as, you know, just, you know, a gorgeous campus and the environment that Wheeling has to offer to any prospective guy who goes there? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you you talked about uh, the Hills, which some guys, you know, could see as a negative, but everything on campus is centrally located. So they're actually, you know, not walking those Hills as much as you would think. So, uh, your classes, it's just, you know, probably a two-minute walk from your dorm. Uh, the cafeteria, it's right next to the classroom building. I mean, it, everything's so centrally located that it's not the, – the longest walk, if I, I started on one end of campus all the way to the other end, would probably be about seven minutes. So it's it's not a uh, not a very big campus. And uh, population-wise, it's not a huge campus either, but it's uh, somewhere like 75 to 80% student-athletes. So, you know, we, everyone that you're going to be in classes with, most, most likely or not, they're playing a sport too. Um, on campus, you know, uh, men's and women's basketball playing right now. Uh, men's basketball in the past has been, you know, very, very good at wheeling. They uh, went through a tough spout a little bit, but now uh, Coach Richardson, he's, uh, he's getting them going, getting them back to being competitive again. They've lost a couple close ones early, but uh, don't be surprised to see them start winning those close ones. And then the women's basketball team has made great strides this year too. I think they're like five and one or something like that. Uh, the volleyball team actually just went to the national tournament. They lost in the uh, second round. Last year they lost in the regional championship. 
not too long ago, they won a national championship. Uh, rugby is a, a newer sport on camp, campus. They're really good. Yeah, they were actually playing when you guys were there in the spring. Uh, they, they've made the playoffs the past couple of years. Uh, got a good baseball team. I mean, everyone's, everyone there is playing a sport, and everyone's doing pretty well in their sport. So it's uh, pretty cool that everyone's going to be on a similar type of schedule as you. So, you know, that, that, that's a, definitely a big plus. And, you know, something we always throw in there for our recruits, uh, it's actually like around 65% female on campus. So that's always, that's always, that's always a positive for a lot of guys. Definitely, definitely not a bad there. thing. You know, definitely uh, helps incentivize you just a little bit. You yeah, know, maybe a little. I have to ask you too, you guys are a newer program, but we got the chance to watch practice there in the spring. And you guys did a little community day there at Martins Ferry High School, mm-hmm. just on, you know, the Ohio, West Virginia border. And it was a really cool experience just to see fans come out and how, you know, even though for a new program, you guys are really well received in the community and have a ton of support. Can you talk about what the, you know, not only fan support's like, but what it's, you know, just a great atmosphere it is to be able to play games at Wheeling and what that, what an electric atmosphere that's like. Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, we have a we have a great community. Uh, the Ohio Valley, the entire Ohio Valley, it's a it's a big football area. So Wheeling being a new program, it was kind of like something like, you know, Wheeling. It was Wheeling Jesuit at the time. They got to add football eventually. You know, they finally did. Coach Bruni came in, started the program. Coach Bruni's from Martins Ferry, so you know he's a local guy. It just made sense for football to be at Wheeling. You know, and now, you know, as he's talked about, you were there at the practice. We got a lot of local people coming. And then uh, I think it was the next week we had, we had a spring game. We had a pretty good crowd come for our spring game. So that was pretty cool. And then, you know, we did some things in the offseason as a team. Uh, preseason camp, we always go to the pool at Ogilvy. It's a little park not too far off campus. And, you know, our guys, they, they always have a good time there. And it's not like it's a day where the pool shut down just for us to go. The community's there too. And uh, some people, you know, saw our guys, you know, having a good time. They play with some of the little kids that are there, whatever it may be. And like people come up to us and go, you guys are with wheeling, you're wheeling football. And they're like, yeah, they're like, what's your first game? I want to be there just because they see, you know, our guys interacting with the community. So it's a pretty, pretty cool thing. And uh, as I was talking about uh, when we played that team up the hill, it was a, it was a huge crowd, but, there were a lot of wheeling supporters there too, not just uh, the team wearing black and gold. And uh, you could hear uh, our fans getting a little louder than theirs whenever we were doing well. So that's a that's a local you know local rivalry, a ton of local alumni in that game. So that's always a big game every year. So it's really really cool the uh, community support we get at wheeling. You know, and on our show we we've made it a point to show people that it's not D one or bust you know, and that there is talent and opportunities at every level. And, you know, I think we've done a good job over the past year showing people that that's just the D one or bust mentality just isn't true anymore, but we still get people out there who tell us, well, it doesn't matter how great of a school you have or what a great atmosphere you have. It's not D one. So I know we let you do it in April and I'm gonna let you do it again. If you could talk to someone who is D one or bust mentality, what would you tell them to help them realize that maybe that's a faulty way of thinking? Um, I want to tell them, you know, uh, why don't you come watch a workout? Come watch these guys put in the work in the offseason. Come to a practice and then come to a game also. You know, you can not even just at Wheeling, you know, go to uh, at the D2 level. Uh, 
check out film this year from the Grand Valley Fair State game. Two top uh, ranked teams playing each other. Uh, I'm sure that atmosphere was a lot better than you would see at, uh, even though I love it, Tuesday night match. And I'm sure the atmosphere at Grand Valley State versus Ferris State was a lot better than that. I'm sure the atmosphere at Wheeling West Lib was a lot better than some some uh, game you'll see on a random Wednesday night on TV. Uh, so just, just come check it out in person. And then I want to hear if you uh, have that same mindset that you just said. You know, we, we end every interview with this and, you know, you as a coach, you have a unique opportunity to really give some good advice to high schoolers. And, you know, I want to start by having you give advice to high school running backs. You know, obviously you as a coach, you're, that's, that's the position you're working with right now. So mm-hmm. if you could talk to a high school kid who's saying, I want to play college ball at the running back position, where would you tell them to start, you know, fo- game wise, what would you tell them to start focusing on to help make sure their, their level of play is good enough to play at the next level? Uh, you know, you always, you know, want to keep up with your, uh, physical, uh, capabilities, whether it's, you know, speed, footwork, getting stronger, you gotta be physically ready to play, but you also, something I'll I'll tell anyone at any position, you gotta be mentally ready. Cause I remember going in, I'll I'll go back to when I was going in as a player, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I was someone, I, I I thought I had a high football IQ. But the amount of meeting times we had going in, I wasn't I, I wasn't ready for. I was like, wow. I was like, this is really during camp, it's all you do is football. You got you got no time to yourself because after you're out there for practice, you go to lunch, you get a shower. Some days, you know, during camp, every other day, usually you'll have a lift, shower again, and then you're right in the meetings, whether it's watching film from practice or installing the playbook. And a lot of guys don't realize how hard it is to learn the new playbook as you get into college how many notes you're going to have to take maybe in, in high school, you know, things are usually a little simplified. Some, some coaches do a great job. Some coaches, you know, run the same two plays all the time. So, you know, guys will vary coming from their high school. Uh, how many, just how, how much it is on, uh, you know, mentally, how much, how much harder it is. It, it's unbelievable. So you got to make sure you're mentally ready, ready to learn at, every moment because there's always going to be a coaching point no matter what you're doing and you're always going to be learning something new so you know and I want to follow up with if you could talk to a high schooler obviously for a lot of kids high school football ended you know we you know here in Ohio we just had the state championships you know so a lot of kids maybe are taking their foot off the gas a little bit maybe they're you know not playing a winter sport and you know depending on how good of a high school student you were some guys when they're not in season the schoolwork starts to slack or maybe they just don't mm-hmm. care as much. If, if you could talk to a high school kid who's maybe taking their foot off the gas now, but still wanting to get recruited and still wanting to play football at that college level, what would you tell them about how equally important this time of year is still for their recruiting opportunities? Yeah. When uh, a lot of guys don't realize when that uh, you're ready to finish it off, when that door's about to shut, that's when uh, a lot of guys true character comes out. You don't want to, you don't want to be the guy that's slacking at the end. Because, you know, as we, you know, high school football is ending, a lot of college seasons have just ended. But guess what? There's still a couple weeks of classes left. Um, You don't want to be a guy that we see, okay, we got got you. We think we want you to come here. Oh, we're getting a call from your coach or your teacher. Hey, like he's he's, uh, slacking. That's actually happened. We've got a call from a school, the one of the kids we were bringing in, has started slack towards the end of the school year. And uh, they, they don't think they could get across to him. Maybe can we talk to him? So you're not, you're not even with us yet. And we're hearing about a problem that you're having in school. Well, 
that's a red flag right there. Okay. So we're going to tell you like, Hey, you better, you better get your, you better get your shit together right now because it's going to be a lot harder whenever you're moving in in August and you got practice and meetings all day, every day. And then to finally end that you're going to be wanting to go to class because it gets you away from football a little bit, but then you got to get back in, got to do the schoolwork while you're practicing for the season, while you're playing the games for the season. So we don't want to see you right at the end start to fall off because then you might be a guy once our season ends, you're falling off with your grades and you might be, you know, wavering that line of eligibility. You know, we, we see it happen at times. Guys are good all, all semester, all semester. And then at the end, they just fall off because, you know, football's done. Uh, I'm, I'm really done with this semester. No, you're not. And that might affect you for playing next semester or next season. So don't, don't be one of those guys that thinks it's all, you know, all good and done before it actually is. Hayden, we've had an absolute blast having you back on, man. It's always good to talk to you and always, Good to check in on how you guys are doing down there at Wheeling. Wish you the best of luck on the recruiting trail, man. And uh, hopefully we get you back on here real soon, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me again. I'm looking forward to next time. Yeah, for sure, man. Folks, that's all we got for you guys this time. That was running back coach Hayden Daly for Wheeling University. Like we always tell you guys, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.